are tuning in to the Love Breezy Bree Yoga podcast. My name is Bree, and you can find me at lovebreezybreeyoga.com. Check out the show notes for more information, including a link to my website. Thank you so much for listening. Namaste. Hello, yogis. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I am always honored and grateful so, so much for those of you who listen and hopefully take some nugget that helps you to really connect back to your practice or to begin a practice and really connect back to yourself. This is such a beautiful passion of mine. It has helped me be such a better yoga teacher because of the podcast as well as a yoga practitioner and student myself and has helped me in some of the most challenging and difficult times that I have faced and some of that being most recently really. So I really appreciate those of you who participate in this project with me because I absolutely need the community and I need you and I am so in awe and adoration of feedback that I receive and questions and support and all of it and even just you listening even if I have never heard from you just knowing that you're out there listening just seeing the numbers on the tickler of the podcast statistics really does give me the encouragement if there's at least one person consistently listening and I mean that I am positive that I'm doing something that is linked back to my passion, my soul, and hopefully I'm really answering my call to what I think I'm supposed to be doing in this lifetime. So just wanted to say thank you. And as I've been recording these last episodes, these um, few weeks past, and we've been talking about trauma-informed yoga and As you may be aware, this is my absolute personal endeavor. This is what I study. This is what I am dedicated to first and foremost. And I absolutely appreciate the concept that yoga can be a healing, very, very beautifully healing discipline. And not healing from the outside, but healing really from the inside out. A really and total visceral effect on the mind and the body and the spirit when you start to develop your own internal practice and awareness and you become more introspective. It can really change your life. And if you are on that journey, then give yourself the most gratitude because it is not easy to open up even to yourself about things that have been painful and have happened to you or you have partaken in or have been involved in by consequence of you know whatever has been introduced to you in your life whatever it is and wherever you've been and whatever your journey looks like If you are listening to this and if you are in the middle of your continuation of finding your wholeness, then you are absolutely living your best life. And just remember that. 
doesn't mean that everything's going to be beautiful and rainbows and butterflies and unicorns and all those things. Of course not, you know. Pain and pleasure are kind of one of the same thing in a lot of ways. And I really honestly believe in order to have gratitude, we have to be humbled at times in our lives. And it's a part of the human experience. And once we understand that, gratitude is even that much more sweet and you do not have to look far to find it when you have experienced anything that you know you're in the recovery from so I'm going to step off of my little soapbox because a lot of times I feel like I'm really just talking to myself and and inviting myself to continue to believe in these exact concepts because all of this really does affect me as well. You know, those who sometimes can't do teach, those who have experience can share wisdom. And I like to believe that I am constantly rotating and evolving from one to the other. You know, sometimes it's two steps forward and one step back, but I'm always aware of my personal forward moving progress. And I hope you are about yours as well. So we've had some really great episodes in the past and some that I will link in today's show notes that will coincide with today's episode. And as you know, yoga is a beautiful physical practice. It can be a nice fitness regimen for those who are looking to move the body or those who have come to the practice for that purpose. But as yoga does, and as I've talked about numerous times on this podcast, yoga has a very, very beautiful way of sneaking itself into all the nooks and crannies of your mind, body, and spirit, helping you to make that connection and get back to self. And so even if you came to yoga because you were going to work on losing weight or you know, getting more flexible or getting more strength and all those things could very well have happened or be a part of your process, what you probably quickly noticed was that it started to affect you in ways that you maybe didn't really quite understand until it was happening to you. Compassion being the number one thing, how it really not only encourages you to have patience and therefore compassion for yourself, which automatically, in most cases, I like to believe anyway, translates to you being able to do that with others. You know, being able to really step into the place of other people's lives in that way that's from a true point of empathy. And yoga really allows us to remind us to stay yoked with others in community. And I think that ultimately, when we open up the heart and we really explore all of our options of being just as whole and complete as humanly possible, we really start to evolve into what we were really meant to evolve into, whatever that looks like. And it's a it's a process and it's not overnight. Some will experience major shifts extremely quickly and some will inch by inch, moment by moment, build upon 
a beautiful foundation that they're beginning to create for themselves. And one day we'll just all kind of formulate and make sense. And reflection in a way where you are able to do so in a, in a loving and caring way, not in a way where you have regret or shame, but from a place of curiosity, maybe even a little bit of s- small analyzing in order to stay motivated and, and continue the good fight. And then really just enjoying where you're at in this exact moment, knowing that you are literally where you're supposed to be. And then having that hope and faith that the future will continue to bring you more of that, right? But understanding that situations will arise and it's not that you will never have another bad experience, but you will also understand how to navigate through that in a way that's healthy and a bit more conscious. Having just awareness takes you to extreme new heights it's really worth every, absolute every moment of that. So with that all said, as we've been talking about trauma-informed yoga recently, we've discussed a lot of different concepts and how the body can have experienced, the body and the mind could have experienced trauma from lots of different places from places of consciousness and awareness to unconsciousness by proxy of those you love and even by proxy of environment, right? So on some level, we all have experienced a traumatic event or something that we may have to explore and heal from. And that's okay. And some of you may not even have felt that you've experienced anything that, you know, you're really considering to be lingering, you know, around in the body or the mind or the soul. But you might know others that have and just understanding that can also offer a lot of compassion for them, right? So that's okay and that's amazing. So as we kind of move along and discuss yoga for mental health, I just want to gently remind you that when we're discussing these concepts, We have to be mindful that some of it is biological. You know, we talked a lot about the fight or flight system versus the parasympathetic. And I'll touch on that again today in this episode. And then we also discuss how things live in us psychologically as well. And today we're going to really just understand and unpack a little bit of how yoga as a full practice of consistency, even if that means five minutes a day of intentionality, of breath work, that pradyama, or even meditation, or the asana practice in itself, or just taking mountain pose and breathing, or even just setting an intention, or being mindful, or purposeful compassion, all of that is practicing this philosophy that we call yoga. So when you start to rewire the neurons in your brain, you can really make leaps and bounds into where you really want to see yourself one day as you continue on your journey to living your best life. And that's really our goal, right? So let's first just discuss yoga for mental health. 
And there are many ways that yoga benefits your health and your psychology and your psychological state of mind. But we're going to first talk about the nervous system because you hear a lot about it in yoga and yoga class on this podcast as well. And it's really important that we understand our bodies. We really start to connect back to it. It's not just something that's driving itself. Although it is, it's very wise. It doesn't need you to think about a lot of it for it to function, right? Your digestive system doesn't need you to think about digesting your food. It knows what to do once you chew it and swallow it, right? And same with your nervous system and your parasympathetic nervous system. But it has different cues and triggers that you need to be aware of so that you can help take the will from time to time and really steer your life in the direction that you really want it to go. So that's what's important and that's what we talk a lot about in yoga and that is really the difference, the game changer, the things that will help you to grow your practice and your life to new heights and dimensions. So yoga moves you from your sympathetic nervous system to the parasympathetic nervous system. And as you might recall, and if not, the sympathetic nervous system is the fight or flight. That's that old amygdala, that lizard brain that lives in your body. That's where we evolved from. You know, we had that whole being, that animalistic idea of being able to sense fear, That's why when you have this intuitive um, feeling, you need to kind of take a pause and really explore that or the hair stand up in the back of your neck or you get goosebumps or there's something in the pit of the stomach. That is there to help save your life quite literally and maybe in today's, you know, postmodern culture, we really... um, need to realize that we're not running from lions and bears and all of that stuff. So sometimes our fear is unfounded and sometimes it's not. But being able to take a moment and ask yourself where you are at. A lot of times when we live in neuroses or we're highly neurotic, basically, we could be functioning from a place of really exacerbated anxiety that comes from that nervous system that sympathetic nervous system, that fight or flight reflex. And as you begin to become more mindful of your body, making that connection back to who you are and really allowing yourself to be honest with who you really are and how you really handle life, regardless of the why, but where you are today, then you can start to make that recovery or even just make some progress or even just have that awareness, right? Awareness in a lot of ways is the progress. So the parasympathetic nervous system is what we refer to as the rest and digest. So think of sympathetic nervous system as fight or flight and parasympathetic nervous system as rest and digest. So the more calm and collected and restful that your mind and body feels, the more that the body is able to do the things that really help you to stay healthy. The cells of your body can multiply themselves in ways that lead to beautiful health and growth in a good way, not growth in a negative way, right? So 
This allows you typically to have less anxiety and enter into that place where you can really just, as I mentioned, calm down, kind of really just um, being able to be the exact opposite of fear. You know, really living in love is what I like to think about when I think about having a nice, calm nervous system, activating that space within self. So I really think that that is in super important. Um, and even if you go to yoga and you practice asana, the postures, every single day, but outside of that moment, you are extremely flustered, you know, you are paranoid or anxious or neurotic, as I mentioned, or over-analytical, you take type A to the next level, you're living in fear or living in shame or guilt, it wouldn't matter. You could do all the asana practice in the most perfect alignment and you wouldn't be actually, I think, creating the effect that you ultimately are looking for by practicing yoga in the first place, right? And I'm going to digress just for a moment, but this is also why yoga is such a beautiful, beautiful cross-training. And I hate to use that word, cross-training, but it's a nice complement to anything that you do physically in life or athletically or fitness. So if you have a demanding job that's really physical, yoga can really calm that down. Or if you just, you know, work out, you're a bodybuilder and you're constantly freaking out the nervous system with heavy, heavy weights, and then it takes a couple of days for the nervous system to repair itself from that. You know, yoga can really help aid in recovery in so many different ways. So I'm actually just bringing that up because I'm going to be rolling out some series coming up on the podcast talking about yoga for athletes and yoga as a cross-training method and a complementary method and as well other methods that can really help you if yoga is your primary source of physical movement. What else you could do other than what I've talked about in the past. So don't want to delve too much deeper in that, but I have some really exciting things coming up. So back to yoga for mental health, right? So as I mentioned, we're really focusing on that parasympathetic nervous system. When we were talking about trauma-informed yoga and PTSD, we talked about some statistics and they were quite overwhelming with how many people are really suffering. And if you suffer from literally post-traumatic stress syndrome or disorder, you're living in that amygdala, that fight or flight place all of the time. Imagine that. Imagine just never feeling calm and never feeling secure and safe. That's just absolutely horrible. And that's why yoga is so amazing. And that's why this is such a mission of mine, because no one should have a 24-7 kind of like scarcity mindset or fear-based biology response or biological response to the psychological triggers that are coming in from life, right? We should know how to sort of just calm the body down and deal with what's true and what's perceived. And that's hard. That's not easy. Now, nearly one in five people in the United States, or roughly 43 million Americans, suffer from a mental 
illness. And I talked about this on another episode where we talked about mental illness, which I'll link in the show notes. And this includes conditions such as depression, anxiety, and more severe illnesses such as schizophrenia. Now, even though those who suffer from different scales, from mild to chronic to those who are unable to function normally in their lives because of mental illness, yoga can help aid in lots of different ways depending on where you're at in your fight to regain your life back. So, you know, just starting the process and then being able to work with a teacher or someone who is able to really take time and help you journal or figure out over time how to really apply all that can be applied to help you, including other beautiful tactics such as Ayurveda. So there's a lot in this philosophy and under the umbrella that you can really apply to this holistic lifestyle and what can really help you be more healthful. So stress being probably the one that we all can relate to no matter what. Rather, it's stress that just comes to us naturally or stress that gets caused in our lives or anything in between, right? Yoga can begin to help us deal with those different stressors because they may not change, but our reaction to them is what is really important. Now, as I mentioned, practicing even just five minutes a day of meditation or pratyama or even asana or even 15 minutes, um, if you can really stretch it, taking it to the next level, three to five days a week can still offer some of the most immense health benefits. I mean, imagine you're literally going from zero to something really healthy. So it's like never drinking water and then at least giving yourself a glass. And you really have to think about it like that and not be an all or nothing person. A lot of times when we're suffering from something, stress, depression, whatever it may be, we also come from this place of I have to be perfect, I have to do it right, I have to research or go to the right studio or buy the right clothes or make sure I can practice for 60 minutes or I'm just not going to do it until I can do that, which just further lends itself to the problem at hand. So please, if that is already what's populating into your mind, let's dispel that right now. Even if you have to write it down and read it as your mantra, you do not need anything other than a little bit of time, a lot of patience, and working up to some sort of consistency. That's it. The rest can be done for you over time. You will figure it out, I promise. No matter how much anxiety you just got from me saying that. (laughs) And I just chuckle because, you know, I'm the same way. You know, I understand this 100%. So as I mentioned, anxiety Anxiety is one of those that pops up in the body. And even if you are not a person that claims to suffer from anxiety, it can rear its ugly head in lots of different ways. Some of us can break out in acne or we want to eat more food or we get hives or we catch a cold or we just, our mind is just really busy and we can't calm down or we can't catch sleep or we can't stay asleep. All of this are physical responses to anxiety, whether you consciously are aware of that or not. And so yoga and a lot of the postures, not including pratyama and meditation, if we're just 
talking about the asana, the postures, most of the postures have some sort of effect on the brain, such as inversions, for instance, or even spinal twists, things that will awaken the body in a way that allows the blood to flow, rather that's below um, head below heart, and you're literally flooding the blood to your mind and calming it, or you're just breaking up the body in different ways, whether that's breaking up the fascia in the body or stretching out the ligaments and the muscles and releasing tension that is holding stress and anxiety in the body, or you're just lengthening the spine and releasing the fluid, the spinal fluid through the body, Or as we go into a more esoteric idea, we really start to align the chakras or create the meridians if you're looking into the Chinese medicinal variation or if we're even talking about the vayus and all those energy systems on the yogic side. However you want to slice this pie, it is doing wonders just from the asana. Now imagine... Just imagine the health benefits of actual meditative practice and response that the mind will have to that kind of a practice. It is vibrational when you meditate. It is absolutely worth every moment that you can take to create mindfulness. And I talked a lot about meditation. Well, Not enough about meditation on the podcast, but a little bit, and I'll link some of that in the show notes as well. What is meditation? I I think it's my most popular episode to date, and it's less than 10 minutes, and I think I have over like 13,000 downloads of that one episode. That's how popular it is because everyone knows or has heard or has this gut instinct, something inherent inside that goes, I know that this is a good idea. And healthy, but am I doing it right? Meditation is that one thing that no one really delves into because they think it's complicated or that they have to be some sort of a master of it or guru or monk or highly evolved spiritually or some other information that they've gathered and then begin to grow into their mind. And I'm here to tell you that meditation can literally be just you wanting to meditate and meditating on that thought, right? (laughs) Sounds silly, but it's not. You can meditate by just observing your breath. You can meditate by observing your food as you're chewing it, by walking in a park and observing all of nature and listening to the sounds of the birds chirping or feeling the wind on your skin or taking a shower and and really observing every splash of water that touches the body. I mean, those are moments, especially just like my analogy I made about the glass of water for those who, for someone who's never had a glass, right? or hasn't had one in years, the body will just be so grateful for the drop. Your body has no idea, your mind has no idea what it's supposed to be. It just knows that it's more than what you have been doing and it will take it and it will eat it up and feed off of it and gain all the nutrients out of it because it's that 
healthful. So I really, really want you to begin to explore that. And especially now when there's so many beautiful outlets for free to give you the content to be able to have guided meditations, to be able to observe pradyama practices, to read about it, to listen to it, to watch it. There's so many ways for you to begin to join in on what can be a truly life-changing and beneficial idea. So I just really want you to take this to heart. And anxiety and stress is the area that will start to heal almost immediately from your practice of meditation, pradyama, just observing the breath, yoga, asana practice, compassion, you know, um, being able to be mindful and observe and be patient and consistent. All those things will begin to align themselves with you as a human and as a spiritual being. And you will start to really notice that it is creating change in the body for the better. So please, 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 if I'm not making it even extra, extra clear to know that I mean it with all my heart, this is the area that you'll notice it. Another big area that will start to come about is those who suffer from depression. Rather, it's seasonal or because of a breakup or because of trauma or because of a failure or perceived failure, I should say, or something more chronic. That is another area where yoga will start to remind you of its healthful effects. So you'll start to feel that. You'll start to see that. Now the challenge if you're really suffering from depression and even if you're suffering from a severe case of anxiety is actually being able to start and and continue to consistently practice. If you find that you're really having a tough time for whatever reason, a trauma-informed yoga teacher or yoga practice or yoga um, class or discipline can be really helpful. A private session or private sessions, yes, they're going to cost more than a studio class, but they will be worth every penny. Think, you know, some um, very beautiful possibilities of being able to have one-on-one with your yoga practitioner or as a yoga practitioner with your yoga teacher that can help the mind, body, and spirit and physically be able to also take you to new places in your body. So it's really worth the cost and investment in your life. I promise that. And give it give it several, you know, really invest in a good four to five because it's just like anything else. You go get one massage and then you never go back. You know, the scar tissue resumes, it it gets it comes back. But if you get five and you go every three weeks or whatever the case may be, you're going to notice progression and you're, you might even be able to learn how to continue that progression without needing to see the professional. And that's the idea as well. You go to these private sessions or whatever the case may be. You learn about yourself. You get tips and tools to take into your personal practice that you can use in studio with community or you can use at home and you're, one on, you're literally one-on-one with yourself. But the idea is that you don't need to go to personal practice or um, private practice forever, but that you understand the why, the what, the how, and that you can begin to 
grow from that place. So please keep that in mind as well. So in addition to anxiety and stress and depression, eating disorders, you know, any variation of eating disorders or body dysmorphia, rather it's severe or it's minor or somewhere in between, yoga really allows you to start to understand who you are. And although that can be a little bit scary and a lot of bit challenging, it will eventually allow you to connect back and find that compassion that I keep referencing to yourself. Once you do that, it really becomes a little bit more easier to start to heal from areas in your life, including eating disorders that are causing you to stay very disconnected from your body, from yourself, allowing the mind to override that intuition, that part of you that knows what's right for you, truly deep inside, that part of you where your ancestors survived the tigers and the lions and the bears, and you're a product of that, right? Um, Really just connecting back to yourself in a way that allows you to give up that control that the eating disorders is really encouraging you to maintain. And all of that, and I'm not saying it's overnight, and I'm not even saying that yoga can help by itself, but it definitely can aid or complement other professional assistance, rather that's therapy or, you know, using utilizing your physician for whatever medical practices that are being offered to you or pharmaceuticals, whatever needs to happen, right? Yoga can just continue to lend itself to that. And then once you find your healing place, which will come at some point, yoga will help you maintain that. It's a beautiful maintenance plan. So please remember that as well. Another beautiful place that I've been touching on is psychiatric disorders. We talked about all the way into schizophrenia. Now, again, that doesn't mean that pharmaceuticals and things like that aren't warranted or even required in cases, but yoga continues to bridge gaps between what's missing between you and you. You know, really, it's true. And of course, talking about PTSD. Now, what's really amazing, and I think I discussed this in talking about trauma-informed yoga, but there's been beautiful studies done that just in 12 weeks, you will see you yourself make progress in what you were experiencing as a PTSD sufferer. So that is not a lot of time to make the commitment to honor getting to know if you can really live the best life that you deserve. And I think you can. I would even go out on a limb and say, I know you can, right? Some other areas that you forget that yoga can really show up in your life is reducing anger. I wanted to talk about this on an entirely different episode, and I will in the future at some point. But I studied a beautiful, beautiful study of students in an entire school district that yoga was permitted to be practiced in classrooms and beyond. And the school district had programs for students that had anger issues, you know, severe abandonment issues. It was a very um, challenging school district in itself as it was an inner city school district. And yoga was 
changing the the landscape of this school. The school had statistics that had years of data, like verifiable data that showed fights and theft and anger and all that comes from that. And yoga being implemented and just within 24 months of consistency of yoga being a part of the school's program with some other really beautiful programs, such as some really nice art therapy programs and a couple of other modalities, they had beautiful results that were mind-blowing. And it's actually um, started to trickle into other areas so that this can become a study that lends itself across the nation to really align the idea that yoga, not being a religious um, affair, can really be beneficial to children in ways that are absolutely needed and that need to be considered, if nothing else, prior to treatments that may not heal from the inside out, but then from the outside in, right? And if if there's even any treatment at all. So I wanted to talk about that on a different episode when I begin to delve into yoga for kids and all of that. But I love the idea because yoga really does reduce anger. Now, I don't know about you, but driving in traffic, driving where, you know, you have to really be defensive is challenging and you can really lose your cool. And I'm not saying that once you start practicing yoga, you won't lose your cool and other areas of your life, but I can absolutely tell you that you will become extremely conscientious and consciously aware of your actions, but even more importantly, your response to other people and their actions. So you will notice, especially if you suffer from anger management issues, that yoga will play a huge part. And even if you don't, yoga will still calm you in such a way where Hey, if you if you want to get even more laid back, there's a place for you. <laughs> really? There really really is. You can you can really take it to the next level. Becoming gentle is the word, right? Improving sleep. Have you ever considered that sleep and being deprived of it can really be an underlining crack in your foundation as a functioning human? So maybe the anxiety, maybe the depression, maybe some of the stuff that you're already experiencing is not caused by anything but the lack of being able to get a good night's rest consistently. And again, as you... (laughs) As you're not going to be surprised that I'm about to say this, I have a beautiful episode lined up talking about improving sleep as well. But there are not only many yoga postures, again, as I mentioned with anxiety, a lot of them cross-referencing each other because once you calm the mind, once you calm the parasympathetic nervous system, you naturally improve the concept of being able to relax the body enough to take sleep. When we're not sleeping, there's something psychologically and or biologically happening that wants us to live in that part of our sympathetic nervous system that keeps us alert. You know, it's a survival tactic. Why are you unable to fall asleep? Well, because you don't want to be unconscious in your mind, right? 
Not that you would be, but there's a level of a consciousness that takes place when you're restfully sleeping. And if you don't feel safe and secure, how can you actually either fall asleep or stay asleep or get restful sleep? So sleep is huge and yoga can improve sleep. And I, again, going to go out on a limb and say, I bet 90% of us don't get the quality and quantity of sleep that we really need to create healthy cells in the body. So there's that. And improving just overall mood, you know, kind of in line with the anger idea, you know, becoming more laid back and more chill, take a chill pill, more compassionate. But just improving your mood, just living a little bit in a place of abundance, (laughs) actually hopefully living a lot in a place of abundance. And um, really just being able to Stay connected to that place and know when you're falling out of connectedness. Just like when you're in tree pose or balancing on one leg and you fall out of it for that moment, you always know how to get back there. And just having that tool of knowing how to get back there speaks volumes even more than the idea of never falling out of connectedness in the first place. That's going to happen. Just like I mentioned, you're going to have trauma or be linked to someone who does or have stress or observe stress in others or have anxiety and so on and so forth. It's not about never experiencing human experiences. It's about knowing how to get back to the place you need to get to, staying connected, maybe never even leaving, or understanding that there's a bridge right there and you're just got to cross that bridge and get to the other side. So it's much more than mind over matter, so much more. Now, how and why does this actually work just from practicing yoga? I mean, why not practice something else? And, you know, there's a lot of other beautiful practices of life, you know, from running to biking to mindful practices to drawing to painting that can all bring you into the present moment, which is really a moving meditation in the areas that I just described, for instance, right? Or it's a mindfulness practice. And there are many options. And yoga is just one of them. But we're all listening to this because we want yoga to be that option for us, if not already. Now, many people who actually practice yoga believes that it works simply because they feel good afterward, right? You get off the mat, you roll it up, and you're like, I don't know why, but this is awesome, and I feel amazing. And that's really all you need to know sometimes, right? But research actually supports the concrete physiological effects of yoga, which helps to explain why it helps with mental health issues and emotion regulation, Now, this has to do with yoga's ability to increase the heart rate variability, or maybe you've heard it as HRV. Now, increased HRV calms the autonomic nervous system where the body stores trauma, which we've talked about. Now, researchers have found that both yoga and meditation can help increase that heart rate variability. Now, why is HRV actually important anyway? Well, it's simply the distance between one heartbeat to the next. So the goal is to try to have increased HRV because it has been shown to calm your autonomic nervous system or parasympathetic nervous system. Now, this regulates your emotions as we've talked about and it does so many other things, but we've really laid that out today. Imagine when you feel stressed or anxious. Now your breathing is shallow and your heart will be beating very fast. And as you begin to 
find your mindfulness, your decreased HRV actually starts to increase and you begin to feel relaxed and settled, calm and rooted. You're more engaged in your deep breathing and there's more space between each heartbeat. And so, therefore, you're creating this physiological effect that is completely overpowering any of the biological autonomic responses, which is really coming from the other part of your nervous system, the sympathetic nervous system. And I should say automatic. I said autonomic. Sorry about that. Automatic parts. You can get those confused, which is why I love saying parasympathetic versus sympathetic instead of autonomic, which just reminds me of automatic, which reminds me of the sympathetic nervous system only, (laughs) the fight or flight, because that's really your automatic response is to fight, flight, or freeze, right? So again, remembering that the whole goal is always to get from that old ancient idea. Let it be there. Let it let it be present for when you're really in danger, but not when you are not needing to access that kind of physiological response. I like to think of it like this. You have all these cells in your body that are working constantly to create a healthy environment. And there's a lot of things that go into that, including the food we eat, the air we breathe, the climate we live in, the environment that we surround ourselves with. And then, of course, what we're talking about in today's episode. But I like to think of the cells sometimes as being little soldiers. And they could be little peaceful warriors practicing yoga inside the body. Or they could be literally lined up with guns ready to blaze. And sometimes you need that. You need that fighter fighter response in the body so that you can get things done. And sometimes you need to run from something that's very scary and harming. Or sometimes you just need to activate that to do your job as a firefighter, as an ER surgeon, as, I don't know, a football player. Whatever it is, you sometimes need to activate that part of your nervous system that allows you to push to ignore how tired that you are or how much pain your legs are in while you're running that marathon or whatever it is. You need to access that part of your nervous system, right? That's why you need to heal it and rest it afterward. And that's something we're going to talk about in yoga for athletes. But we don't need to live there for no reason. We need to come and go. We need to know that that was an event and we're going to spend the rest of our time outside of that event being calming and peaceful, those little peaceful warriors, not the little soldiers ready to battle, not living as a war zone in your own mind and in your own body. And if that has been your life, well, here we are. Here we are to get you back to a place or maybe to a place you've never even been that's more soothing and healthy. Now, we also have to remember that a decreased HRV is correlated with negative affective states that we've been doing nothing but talking about. That is anxiety, stress, PTSD, anger. Individuals who suffer with depression and anxiety and flashbacks and they get angry outbursts, 
or they have angry outbursts, often have trouble regulating their emotions in general, right? Obviously. People who have poorly regulated autonomic nervous systems or the parasympathetic nervous systems can be thrown off balance easily, both on a mental and physical level. We all know those people, right? You barely say anything to them, or they're having a bad day and they take it everywhere with them, or that person who you accidentally cut off in traffic and they're literally violent and threatful, whatever the case may be, that's where this is coming from. Some set off by a minor hassle, that road rage, that crying in public when it wasn't warranted, that throwing a hissy fit, all of that stuff that we should have really grown out of after the terrible twos, but maybe wasn't given the opportunity to advance from that place or what have you. That's just an example. Practicing activities that increase your HRV like yoga can help retrain your heart and physiology, which obviously leads to the emotion regulation and calmer state that we have been really championing. Yoga is a great complementary therapy, as I mentioned, whether it is prescribed by someone or you're curious about it or not you can just begin you can begin you can begin you can begin you're listening to this episode you've already begun (laughs) now some enjoy the more physical activities and the real active young type activities that we've talked about in the discipline breakdowns and some enjoy the nice yin practices or some enjoy both and regardless of what you're doing, just know that there is a therapeutic response that the mind and the body is making in connection with you practicing yoga. So I can go on and on and on, and I don't want to because I hope I didn't ramble too much. But as I mentioned, this is my heart, my soul, my passion. I love teaching yoga. I love teaching vinyasa flow and you know, Hatha yoga and all the different asana practices and teaching in studio. I love it. It's fun. I love laughing and playing. And if you listen to the episodes on this podcast and the live yoga classes, you understand that my personality is all about that. But when it comes to taking this discipline and this, or I should say this philosophy seriously, I absolutely wholeheartedly do because I think that it works. I don't think that it works actually. I am living proof that it works. It is everything you can imagine it can be for you and all you have to do is show up and yoga will meet you on the mat. So with that said, thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of this process with you. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Breezy Bree Yoga Podcast at Yoga Podcast. Thank you for inviting me into your home, into your practice, into your life. The love and the light that lives within me absolutely, absolutely shares space with the love and the light that lives within you. Go in peace. Namaste.
I am so honored that you are listening to the Love Breezy Bree Yoga podcast. Never miss an episode. Download the free app on iTunes, Apple Podcast, Spotify, or Stitcher. Please also rate the show with five stars. I would greatly appreciate that. Visit me on my website at lovebreezybreeyoga.com. I include free yoga sequences every single month. You can leave a comment or message me and we can connect. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful personal practice. Namaste. Namaste.